Yeah, so those who don't know, my name is Benny, um, Chad, uh, one of the elders that lead the church is on holiday, and so we're going to let them rest a bit, and so we will avoid WhatsApps and communication, just let them have a break, although I think he's turned off his phone, which is a good thing, <laughs> we need breaks, we need rest, and they have run hard, him and Nick's, and so yeah, we just keep them in your prayers, and uh, yeah, it's like a... And uh, like I say, I'm one of the elders in the church, Bob is another, and John, who's in Hartenbos, with a congregation there, well, we, we had a community that went there, and a worship team, so that's why we, we kind of not always full, and, uh, but yet we, 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 we still full, <laughs> you know, but we always got teams going out, which is a good thing, it's, we, we are to be a going church, and we're not just, you know, navel gazing and just about us, it's about Jesus and extending His kingdom and going. That's what he called us to do, to go make disciples. And so, yeah, so I just felt in my heart just to be sharing a bit about um, shepherding. And uh, I've had this for a while, and I've actually want to break it into two sessions. So God willing, next week I'll, I'll carry on about this. <laughs> uh, but this week I felt just to share on the Lord as I shepherd. And, uh, and then next week I want to talk about just what it means for us, we all uh, God has entrusted uh, under shepherds, which is actually the, what the word uses is for elders. You know, we call to be under shepherds. Uh, and the responsibility that we have of leading God's sheep. But I, I do want to mention this, though. Although I'm an under shepherd, I'm also a sheep. Okay, so I'm like the rest of you. Uh, this is God's church. He's ordained church. He's ordained a thing called uh, leadership, elders, deacons. He's put this thing in place. And it's his structure. And uh, the reason I felt just to really kind of share on this is because there's a lot of new faces. A lot of us come from different backgrounds, different church experiences. And just in that, uh, we can have a little bit of a different view of shepherds. And, uh, and you might be here today and you might have been disappointed by church. You might have been disappointed by leadership. And in a sense, you, you can at times by doing that is you can abandon the baby with the bathwater. You can say, well, that's church. You know, I don't want much to do with it. Or if that's leadership, you know, we can paint everybody with the same brush. And I get that. I've been disappointed. I've been hurt. But there's things that, that we can't, because of our bad experiences, we can't say, well, I'm not going to do it. Because this is the way God has instructed it. Jesus said, I'm building my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail. Now, either you believe that or you don't. And he's called this beautiful thing called the bride, being you and I, being part of what he's doing. He says, I'm going to make known to principalities the powers in the air. I'm going to be make known my glory, and it's going to be through the church. Okay, so I, so I have to put this out there. Uh, God hasn't changed his plan because of your bad experience, and he's still doing his work. But I want, I want to, in fact, if anything, is to impart faith into you this morning. Um, and, and so I want to look at the good shepherd. And, and to, so in a sense, as you look at the good shepherd, you can look at us and say, well, what, where we fall short as under shepherds and say, how, how do we do this thing? Because we're learning in this. We're not perfect people. We, we entrusted to shepherd, but we're not perfect. And we've got to work this thing out. And so the best place to start is to look at the good shepherd, isn't it? It's to look at God. He's our good shepherd. And I want to go to Psalm 23 to do that. And, uh, and so this just helps us begin to see how God works with his people. And who knows Psalm 23? Who knows who wrote that? David. And who knows what David's profession was before he became king? 
or shepherd, right. And uh, a lot of commentators say Psalm 23 was probably written in David's senior years, when he was a bit older, probably close to the end of his life, um, because it has a more nostalgic, more calm kind of psalm that's sung. And uh, so a lot of commentators say that. I don't know, but uh, just reading it, I could probably picture David, if he was, if it was the later part of his years, he's not, he's not singing the song as probably as a king. He's not singing it as, you know, a king who's ruling over Israel or as this mighty warrior. As you read this, he's probably reflecting of his previous days of when he used to shepherd his dad's flock. How he used to go there and care for them and feed them and take them to new pastures and how he would look after them and protect them from wolves and, sh- and lions and what have you um, and protect them. And, uh, and so David was probably nostalgically thinking back of those years, but then also looking at God as his shepherd, and, and just thinking of how God, how many times that David went off the roads, and God had to bring him back, and God would steer him back into path, and how he would feed him and, and care for him, and so David's probably looking at that as, as, he's, as he reflects back in his life, and so I'm going to start, I'm going to, I'm going to break this, this, this verse down, or this scripture down, because I really feel it's, it's something precious to me as I've been reading it, it's something I've always read and, and meditated on, but and so I want to do that this morning just with us. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. Now, I just want to start there. You know, this is not the most best descriptions one would naturally give God. I mean, shepherds were not the most, you know, sought-after professions even in those days. I mean, think of it. David was a shepherd boy. He was the, the youngest of the fathers, you know, of, of his brothers, and he was kind of the, like the guy to look after the sheep. It was like one of those occupations, oh, you know, if you didn't study, you probably, you can make a shepherd. <laughs> it was one of those things. And so it wasn't a sought-after position. And so David is kind of presenting God in a non-flattering way, if, if I can put it like that. It's not, it's not I mean, think of it. What, what kind of, if you were to witness to someone about God, you want to say he's the king of kings, he's the lord of lords, he's the prince of peace, mighty God, you know, you want to present that to, to someone. But yet, David is like, the Lord is my shepherd. I mean, it's, it's weird, you know, it's not very flattering. And uh, I don't know, it's like, it's like even like, I know, like when your wife puts on a dress and she says, how does this make me look? You kind of put in that position sometimes where you want to be truthful, but you also want to be affirming. Am I right? I, I, not, not that my wife's done that lately, but I, I remember, I remember a guy whose wife asked him. She put on this dress and she says, "Does this dress make me look fat?" And he goes, "No, of course not. It's the fat that makes you look fat." <laughs> and so, was it not a? And I would never say that, but just that you know. But this guy, I don't know, he obviously hasn't had many marriage counseling things in his previous days. But, and so, so David dresses God in a non-flattering way. That's, that's what I want to say. It's to call God a shepherd. It's like, why? And uh, I was just thinking about it. You know, if you think of it, Psalm 23, as David presents God like this, as God presents himself to us, there's moments in our lives that we don't need him as a king. We don't need him as this mighty warrior. We need him as a shepherd. Sometimes we, we sit in valleys. Sometimes God takes us through the deepest moments of our lives where we're facing illness, where we're facing the loss of loved ones, 
we, we don't want to know God's omniscience. We don't want to know God's knowledge. We want to know, God, do you care? In this moment, I want to know you. I'm facing turmoil, my kids, whatever it is. And we face those things. All of us face different things. And so those moments that we want to know, God, do you care? Are you really concerned? Are you really concerned about me and where I'm at? And we're all going to face valleys. We all face them. And uh, in those moments, we need to know our shepherd. And as we look at this, I, I love this. Because as David presents God, it's like, it's like God taking off this, think of it, God taking off this robe of royalty. The Bible says that he, that he stepped down as man. God got off his throne. Think of Jesus. He got off his throne. He took off his garment of his glory. And he says, I'm not going to hold on to this. It says that he didn't try and grasp of that. He let it go. He put it down because he said, I want to identify with my people. The sheep that I want to bring to myself. And they lost and I'm going to come down as man. I'm going to present myself as man so man can identify with me and I can identify with him. And so God takes off his robe of, of his glory and he puts on this robe of a shepherd for us. Isn't that an amazing picture? It's a beautiful picture that David paints here. And, uh, you know, we can read in Philippians 2, 7, it says that he emptied himself of his glory. He emptied himself. He made himself of no reputation. He put that down. He says, I want to... I want to identify with my sheep. And that's amazing. And, and, he, and basically God's saying, I want to come down. I want to, I want to be the one who comforts. I want to be the one who guides. I want to one who picks up when you're broken and puts you on my shoulders as a shepherd. That's what I want to do. And that's, that's the heart of God. That's, and, you know, as you look at that shepherd, the flip side to that is that makes us the sheep. Are you willing to go to the shepherd as a sheep? You know, do you know the shepherd? Are you cons do you know that who he is? And uh, now I'm not. A sh I'm glad Colin and um, John aren't here because <laughs> well, they 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 both sheep farmers. They'll know better. But um, but anyway, from what I've read, is sheep can get lost very quickly. Um, they say sheep can be totally lost within a few miles from their home. They they just not the kind of animal that's. Am I right, Jenna? Is it? They can get lost very quickly. So sheep are not like other animals that have an instinctive drive to find their way back. They don't have these, I don't know, maybe senses that can help them navigate to where food sources are, where the, late, the closest water hole is, or where the shelter is. Sheep, sheep are kind of stupid <laughs> in, in that sense. And, so, and this must have probably be more so in those days because they didn't have sheep farmers that, you know, if you think of a sheep farmer, he's got a, he's got a fence around and those sheep will kind of get familiar with that surrounding. But then in those days in, in Palestine, shepherds would take sheep to different pastures all the time. They would, that's what they would move. They would move all around to take them to new pastures. It wasn't like a farming that you stayed in one place. And so it would be easier to get lost in those days with a shepherd than it would be as a farmer. And so David gives this illustration with that in mind and uh, just how how totally sheep are dependent on the shepherd. Totally dependent on, on where they get food, totally dependent on their way home, where they get protected. And that basically is where David comes from. And I love this, how he starts. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. I shall not want. I'm, I'm not going to need. I'm not going to be in a place where I am in need because God is my shepherd. Think of that. 
I, I love that because it really, it's an implication that I lack nothing when I follow this shepherd. I can follow a lot of people. I mean, think of it. We're living in a country where we've got leaders, and because we've got bad leaders, we lack a lot in this country. I mean, we lack electricity at times. We lack good roads, and thank goodness we're not in that part of the country. You know, good, um, what do they call it, services. We don't have that problem as much. But what, what causes that problem is bad leaders. And so David's saying, well, look, we live, in a, we live under a shepherd, and because of he, the way he shepherds, we lack nothing. And, you know, when you come to that realization, you're willing to follow that. You see, God is our all-sufficiency. When, when, you, when you're in him, you're totally sufficient. And, and it's something we've got to grasp. It's like Paul says, I count everything rubbish in comparison to knowing him because he is everything. See, I don't, I don't believe we always come to that revelation. We don't always come to that realization. You know, as Paul says in Colossians 2.10, you are complete in him. Just, just think of it. Take, just take a moment and think about it. You are complete in him. Actually, say it. I am complete in him. Say it. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Do you really believe that? If you've got a good shepherd, you are complete in him. If you don't believe that, you're always going to be following Jesus, and you're going to be looking at other pastures. You're going to be looking around because you don't know if, he quite, if he's quite got everything that I want. Think of it. Is God as ambitious in my, for my life as I am? <laughs> that kind of thing. So we'll follow him, and, and there might be, oh, you know, I don't know if God, I don't know if you saw that, but I'm going to go and graze there because I don't want to follow you. Right now, I'll see something better. So at that moment, you, you've already separated that belief and that revelation that you are complete in him. Think of it. And I've seen it, I've seen it with people just looking even for, for a spouse. You're willing to compromise. You, like you, you come under and you, you're not, you know, the, the, the aim that we've got is to follow the shepherd. And God will lead you to the right spouse. We don't have to go and look, okay, God, I'm following you, but actually there's a really attractive man there, or really a beautiful woman, and I think I need to go there. And so we'll kind of go off the paths that God has got for us because we don't trust Him. And it's the same with financially, with finances. We, 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 God's got us a path to run and to go, and sometimes we start looking for other opportunities that are outside His will. We grasp for things. We like grab, okay, God, I'm going to grab more finances here, I'm going to try and change business ventures. I'm going to seek money. I'm going to do this and that. And, and, and in a sense, we do those things not out of following the shepherd. We can do it out of anxiety. We can do it out of fear. Because, I mean, think of it. We're living in a time where the petrol price has just gone up. The interest rates have gone increased. I mean, come on. We, we begin to begin, frankly, we start getting fear within us because of that. And because of that, we we want to look for other opportunities that God actually hasn't got for us. We, and we need to be seeking the shepherd. So our goal is not to follow the best place to find money or the best spouse. Our, our, our job is to actually follow the shepherd and see where he's taking us. You see, when I find Jesus, I find freedom. When I find Jesus, I find wholeness. When I find Jesus, he provides for me financially. And I need to trust that. You know, for my family, we've never lacked. And it's not because I'm the best or... It's just God has always provided. You know, God has always given to us. And so, you know, Philippians 4 says, Be anxious for nothing, but with everything, prayer and supplication, make your requests known to God. 
And uh, Jesus even reminded us, he says in Matthew 6, 25, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you shall eat, what you shall drink, nor about your body. Now, I remember Stephen had that revelation with that scripture. Hey, Alicia. Just how they were stuck in this financial position. It's like, God, I've got to, I've got to, I want to give to you, but you know, I'm just settling. And they took faith step, and they gave to God, and he provided. He supernaturally gave provision because they wanted to trust in the Lord. That's how God works. Like, do you trust me, or do you trust in your money? Do you trust in your job? Do you trust in your finances? Do you trust in your bank account, or do you trust me? See, I'm the source. Those, those things are things that I provide for you, and I do it through that, but I'm still the source. It doesn't change. And, I, and so as we, as we get to this revelation that God is my shepherd and he will provide, when you get to that revelation, hey, it takes us to the next part, a part of the scripture. It says, he makes me lay down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. And I love that. Because God is my shepherd. I'm just going to sit and I'm just going to eat because I'm going to rest in him. And, and it's a beautiful picture that, that David gives of the, of the sheep, just lying down. Now, I know they say sheep have got to be very comfortable. They've got to really know and be secure in the shepherd before they do that, before they really sit down and, and just eat and just enjoy what God has for them. That's a beautiful picture. That's totally the opposite of fear. Am I right? Have you ever watched the Animal Planet when you, when you see these, what's it, water buck or impala or whatever, and they're at a water well, and there's always one keeping a guard, like always checking where's the lion, you know, where's the, the, the cheetah or whatever, and he's keeping guard while the others are like eating and still also looking and, you know, just going down. And you, is that, that, that fear? But you don't see this picture here, huh? You don't, you don't see that picture as a lamb just lays down and just eats. It's like totally secure. That's a beautiful picture that, that David gives us. And uh, I don't know about you, but I don't like kind of like Wednesday nights when you've got community, you've got to quickly chow and you've got to grab, you know, and you've got to eat fast and you, you battle with indigestion when you go to community and you're sitting there and, oh, you know, because your life's busy. Now, this is the opposite. He's sitting down and he's just relaxing and it's not a to-go meal. It's not a McDonald's fast food thing. It's just, just enjoy it. You're, just, you're actually enjoying it. And I love that picture because Psalm 34, 8 says, taste and see that the Lord is good. It's not eat and see. It's taste and see. God calls us to places, and I, and I really feel sometimes we lack this. We don't sit and just meditate and spend time with Him and just enjoy Him. Think of it. God, God's given us taste buds, not so we can get full, but so we can taste what we eat. Think of it. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Something of intimacy is related to our taste with Him. And I'm talking about spiritual taste. And I, I, I've even recently had to come to that revelation. You know, coming on to full-time eldership, being in the corporate world, you're always busy and you always got a, a performance contract to fill out. And now it's like I've got to just spend time with the Lord at, at moments when I'm not connecting with people or, or preparing for, for Sunday. I, I like so, like, I'm at the moment where the Lord sometimes says, I just want you to sit. And I said, but God, I, I need to put this on my, my performance, con you know, that kind of thing. you still got that mindset. And it's like God saying, no, I want you to sit and enjoy me. And it's like I have to put that, because you can't quantify it. Hey, You can't put something like that on paper and say, well, okay, I can measure this because I've spent time with the Lord. And, and that's the problem. We get busy with our day that we don't sit and enjoy the Lord. And you can't quantify that necessarily on paper. But it doesn't matter. God's called us to enjoy Him. It's about a relationship. 
And sometimes we get works driven in, in our spending time. And I want to encourage you guys, because we get like that in the world. We, we actually eat. We, go, we, can go to, we can do all the amazing teachings. We can go to this study and that study. Why do you do it? Sometimes, I'll tell you this, sometimes we do it just to get full. We, we want to look good. We, we want to understand God better and so we can disciple others better. But sometimes we just eat for our own full. But actually God has called us to eat and taste Him and enjoy Him. We've got to do that at times. We've got to spend time in His presence. And I love it as men, even in our mornings, we don't just discuss our problems. Sometimes we just discuss the Lord, just His glory, His majesty of who He is. And I love those moments. And, and I like this because then it says here, is he restores my soul. You see, when we begin to rest in him, when we, when we begin to enjoy him, he restores your soul. You know that, that word restores actually is not probably the best translation. Some of your versions will even say he refreshes. But actually, that word is actually repent. He brings us to a place of repentance. So it's in that moment that you begin to eat of God, as you begin to taste, as you begin to enjoy him, he actually begins to recalibrate your mind. You, you begin to, you, you start uh, renewing your mind. You come to that place of repentance. God, I've been busy. I've been doing this. But, but you, you, you're actually setting my face back on you. You're actually putting my gaze back on who you are. And it's that place that you, you find restoration. And I love that picture. And uh, I'm reminded of Romans 2.4 where it says, His kindness leads me to repentance. It's His kindness that leads me to that place. And, and if you're not enjoying God and you're not sitting down and just tasting of Him, you're not going to come to that place. And so for God to come and move within us, we, we, need to, we need to repent. We need to get to the place. Because then the next verse, it says, He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. So it's like in that place of repentance that God begins to show us the paths that He has for us. It's not just, oh, let me do this or let me do that because I'm in a rush. It's not sitting at His feet, enjoying Him, and God begins to show us the dreams that He has for us as, as we delight in Him. He says, okay, this is the way I've got for you. Look at me, I'm your shepherd, follow me, but this is the path we're going. And you, your gaze is fixated on him, but where he's going. It's a lovely picture, because I think we can do a lot of things, but we're not on the paths that he's called us to. And I do want to say this, that the, you know, it's paths of righteousness. It doesn't mean it's easy paths. You know, God's going to take us up valleys, and we're going to have to climb, and he's going to take us through, well, take us down valleys, sorry, and take us up to up mountains, but there's going to be a thing of climbing and there's a thing of just going down valleys where he's called us and places of unknown and uncertainty, but we trust in the shepherd and where he's taking us. And it's not always an easy way, but we've got the guarantee that he knows the way. He is the good shepherd. And it says that he does it for his name's sake, which means really as you, as you see God's taking us on a path, he's saying, look, for my name's sake, I'll lead you down the right path. Because my integrity is attached to the path that I'm taking you. Think of it. For God's name's sake that he does it. God's not going to lead you to somewhere and think, oh, I think I went the wrong way. And you'd be, because his name's attached to it. It's like his glory, his integrity, everything about who God is, is attached to the path that he's leading you. So God is definitely going to lead you down the right path. He knows every single one of our plans. The Bible says that. We are his workmanship, created for good works, which he prepared in advance that we should walk in them. Isn't that amazing? God's prepared a work for you to walk in. It's a path that he's prepared for you. And his name is attached to that. So he's not going to make sure that you go down the wrong path. He's going to make sure that you go down the right one. 
And it might not always be a comfortable path, but you know when your shepherd's leading you. It's for his glory, and it's to build your faith in him. And it says, yeah, yeah, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup runs over. It says, even though, which means that every single one of us will face valleys. Every single one of us will go through a valley of the shadow of death. Every single one of us are going to face this, unless Jesus comes back before that. Did you know that? We're all going to face it. See, death is, is inevitable. It's, it's unavoidable. It's going to come to every single one of our doors. But are you ready? Are you walking with the shepherd in that? Are you trusting him in those moments? And I want to give you a little illustration because I, this, this Psalm 23 really became real to me. Probably about 2007, we, we had a couple that we knew. And one of the hardest tasks as an elder is to walk with, through valleys with people. And I'm talking about valleys of death. And we've had to do it a few times. I'm sure Bob has. But just in those moments, we had a couple that we built a relationship with. Um, a couple that we actually adopted as our grandparents for our, for our kids. They were still young at the time. And she was a lady that didn't have kids. And uh, so we kind of built a relationship and they kind of adopted our kids in the church when we were still in Mossel Bay. And, uh, but about, I think it was about 2007 or somewhere, Peter, this guy that we were very close with, fell sick with cancer. And, uh, and so we, we walked a road with them. And uh, if you, you don't know Peter, but if you knew him, you, you would have known he was a Dutchman. Now, I'm not talking about Afrikaans. I mean, he was a real Dutchman. He was, you know, he, and um, he was very stubborn. He was very, one of these guys that had a very, uh, very strong opinions about everything, a very dogmatic kind of man. And his theology and everything, him and I would have these serious discussions and, and stuff like that, and his way was always right and everything. And, but anyway, he's, he's one of those guys that he'll follow you, but sometimes reluctantly, you know. But so... I remember walking this road with him, and there came a point in his life where, you know, all his dogmas, all his feelings, everything came to this point where he knew he was at the death's door. And I remember just walking this road with him, and it was, it was a very challenging time for me as an elder because there, there came moments he says, you know, Benny, I, I just want to know. I, I know I'm going through this transition, but I want that security. I want to know. All my beliefs, everything I've lived for, my theology, everything has come to this point in my life where I know there's a transitioning from this life to the next. And I want that security. And I remember just wrestling with him, and, and the words that I try and give him wouldn't, wouldn't necessarily affirm him or comfort him. And I remember that time just bringing it to the Lord, just say, you know, God, how do I comfort this man? You've called me to be the under-shepherd. I feel I'm powerless here. I can't do it. And you know the amazing thing is the Lord comforted me at that moment. He showed me something. He said, you know, one of the things is he took me to Psalm 23. He says, you know, I've walked through the valley of the shadow of death. You haven't. 
I've gone down that road. I've sent my son there. He faced death and he overcame it. The reason you can't comfort him is because you, can't, you haven't gone down that road. That's not your road yet. And so I, I, I got the understanding and the revelation of just what Christ, why he comes to us. And I remember praying to him and I said, Lord, if I can't comfort him now and he needs to know, he needs that security, don't you want to do it? Because he's your sheep. You know, the amazing thing is, just over that time, just how God began to show Peter that he's real. Because I remember just, just before, it was about a month before, he started asking his wife for certain treats. He said, you know, I'm, I'm tasting something. I'm starting to experience things that I've never tasted before, but I want, I want you to try and replicate it. I want you to try and make it. And I remember her trying to bake these biscuits and all these things, and he kept on eating. He says, this is not the taste I'm tasting. I'm tasting something. I, I want you to try and make this. And he would try and articulate what flavors he was wanting, and she couldn't do it. And then uh, it just kind of reminds me, you know, just God preparing a table for Peter. I, I, my heart, what I believed was, God was allowing the aromas of heaven to come and experience for him. And as he was beginning to taste this, the other thing was that brought a security, I, I feel, for him, was um, he would wake up at nights and he would say to his wife, who's this man in our room? And, and she would say, what man? He says, no, this man holding the staff and this, the shepherd. She said, there's no one in the room. And he'll just go back to sleep. Next day, you'd wake up with the same thing. Who's the shepherd in the room? And then just go back to sleep. It wasn't like he was fearful. It was like he knew that this security was here through this good shepherd. And when I heard that, I thought, thank you, God, because that's what I was praying, that the good shepherd would be the one that would bring him to this transition. And you can have many opinions, many strong dogmas and things in your life, but there comes a moment where you know everything that you depend on is going to be at that moment. And you need the good shepherd. And that's what God reflected to him at that time. And you know, even though Peter was walking through the valley of the shadow of death, he feared no evil. He came to that point where he was secure in God. And he passed away and it, was, it wasn't as, as fearful for him. It wasn't that transition happened easier because he knew the security of who God was in him. And I love that picture, because God was preparing a table for him. He was preparing him. And then I love that. He says, he, my, he anoints my, my head with oil. My cup runs over. And then it says this, Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And that in itself, that word follow, is actually a very weak translation too. It's a... Uh, it's an animaic word, but um, they say that word, follow, and I, I know it's the New King James Version, they'll say follow, that, you know, follow me, you know, it's, it's, it's a very weak translation, but actually what that translation says is that goodness and mercy will stalk you and hunt you like a lion. That's a beautiful picture. It's like God saying, goodness and mercy will hunt you down. It's like God constantly looking if you're walking on the paths of righteousness because he wants to hunt you with his goodness and mercy. He wants to, it's like a stalker. Think of it. How many times do we look at God and we think he's ready with the stick to kind of hit us? The moment we offline, bah. No, he's saying the opposite. 
It's goodness and mercy. I'm looking for ways that I can bless you. I'm looking for ways to give life. God wants us to live the life that he's called us. He's wanting us to walk the path so he can bless us with all his goodness, with all his mercy. Isn't that an amazing picture? Sometimes we just need to change our mindsets towards God. But he still calls us to walk the paths of righteousness. Not that you do your own thing, because then you won't be blessed. The Bible says that. You know, he says it to the, to the Israelites. If you do what I tell you to do, you'll be blessed. If you don't do what I tell you to, you'll be cursed. It's a simple thing. I want to bless you, Israel, so go the way that I've called you. And he's saying that to us. And he's saying that through David. Walk in the paths that I've got for you. God wants to hunt us down with his goodness and mercy. And then it says this, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You know, there's something about sheep you've got to understand. They're very communal type of animals. They're gregarious. Is that the word? Social beings. They're very always together. You always see them huddled together. I love this picture that David says, surely I'll dwell in the house of the Lord. This, you know, us dwelling together, us coming together in worship, us getting, gathering together in communities and, and spending time with one another, that is what God ordained because we are his sheep. He's called us to be together. That is how we prepare ourselves for his coming. He's coming back. And he says, and I love the picture that Psalm 133 paints. says how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. Why? For there the Lord commands his blessings. So not only is he, is he commanding goodness and that as we walk on the path, but as we come together, as we collectively do church together, as we live together, as, as we communal together in, in how we relate, as God says, he commands his blessings. And some of your versions will say, and life forevermore. And I love that picture because it's almost like you've got blessings and you've got life. And God's saying, blessings and life, are you ready? The moment these people are one, the moment they do things together, the moment they, they love each other, the moment they, they gather together and worship me, I want you blessings and life, and I want you to make sure that you're there with them because I'm commanding you to be there. Amazing. God commands his blessings on that, on us. And so I want to encourage you. You might be a person that's hurt you might have been offended with church, but I want to say that's the enemy that wants to throw doubt in your heart. God's commanded us to be together in unity. And sometimes in that moment, we've got to come to the cross and we've got to say, God, I've had this bad experience, but I want, I want to lay it before you because I know you've called us to be, get, be together. I know you've ordained this thing called church, but I've got hurt experience and I need to put it down because you've commanded blessings. You want to command blessings, but it's only going to come when I'm knitted together with my heart with theirs. Then you command your blessings. And so sometimes we're going to lay those things before the cross in order that God restores that. And that, that's just coming to him and repenting. Say, God, forgive me where I've got issues against my brother. Forgive me where I've gossiped. Forgive me when I've slandered others because of what they've done to me. I want to live in the love that you've got for me, Jesus. Let me experience it. And as that moment that we do it, we lay it down. God says, okay, I'm going to knit you into this body. And you've got to give your life to that. You know, when you give yourself to Jesus, I've realized this. When I give myself to Jesus, he puts me in the body. So when I love him, he automatically makes me love you. It's part of it. There isn't one or the other. Jesus said that. If you, if you love me, follow my commands. But then he also talks about us living together. If you love your brother, if you hate your brother, you don't love God. That's what the Bible says. 
So you can't live in the love of God and you've got issues. You've got to sort them out, church. You've got to work those things out because God wants to command his blessings on us. We can't be these arrogant people that live our own. No, I don't need church. That's arrogance. God won't bless you. And I get if you've been hurt. I've been there. But I do know God's got a bigger picture for us. He's sovereign. He's over the whole thing. And all things work together to the, to the good for those who love him. But we need to believe that. We need to trust him, the good shepherd. And we need to go down the, the paths that he set for us. Amen. Next week, I'm going to be sharing just about how we come together and submit ourselves under the under shepherd. Because I think as we do this, as we do life together, that God is going to lead us. And part of that is, 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 is processing things. How do, we, how do we do church? How do we follow shepherds? How do we know what is our role? What is our responsibility? Because God wants to do something. But for today, I just felt just that revelation of God is the good shepherd. Is almost like I feel God wanting to impart into our hearts this morning. And uh, I don't want to presume everybody has given their life to Jesus. And so can I create just a space uh, for those who have never met him? You've never met the shepherd that I'm talking about. You've never come to him. But you know what? The way that you're going, your path that you're going is leading to hell, the Bible says. The wages of, of sin is death. We all... At one point, we're living for ourselves. We're living our own lives. But God has called us. That's why Jesus came down. He says, you know what? I want to come down and lead you. Because all you, like sheep, have gone astray, Isaiah says. And I've come to bring you back to that place of restoration. And I want to lead you to the paths of righteousness. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And maybe you've never received him. And I want to ask that as we just bow our heads now. If you've never met Jesus, I want you to raise your hand. Say, I want to meet this Jesus. I want to meet this good shepherd. I've had bad shepherds. I've had a bad father experience. I've had a bad leader, even a church leader. But I want to encourage you that today, maybe today is the day that, you know, God's called you. The Bible says, don't wait for tomorrow. Seize the day. Seize today. God is a God of salvation. He's a God that brings life. So anybody here that you've never met Jesus, I want to introduce you to him. He's a good shepherd and he's got good plans for you, but he's calling you to himself.